Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome in to the Triple Option on 365 Sports. I keep thinking that open's going to be longer, and I'm the one who made it. Uh-huh. Alongside Jacob Wilson and Garrett Ross today, um, Guys, we're going to talk about the uh, overall uh, congressional oversight of college football today. And no, we're not. It's Jimbo, Jimbo, Jimbo today. Uh, a little bit of, of, of Zach Arnett, a little bit of Andy Avalos, too, and kind of the, the um, bloody Sunday that happened in, in college football. And I guess Monday morning, um, if you're Zach Arnett. Um, I do find it strange, Jack and I were talking about this as I got in today, that both the coaches in a game that was 51 to 10 got fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, now, look, it shows that at least in this regard, Texas A&M isn't prisoners of the moment. You know, they weren't like, oh, well, he beat a, te- you know, a team that was also going to fire their coach the same day we were and then maybe waited <laughs> just because of all the the goings on, but Jimbo Fisher getting fired and receiving the largest buyout in the history of college athletics, $77 million nearly. It's a lot of money to get paid not to work. Yes. And here's the other thing. There's no offset in his contract. So if Jimbo Fisher does get another job and I don't know if he'll want one, I don't know what his prospects are. I know that Jimbo Fisher is a better coach than most coaches out there except he's not good enough for what they want to do at Texas A&M. He's, not, he's no longer a national championship coach. And had they really done their homework on him, they would have known at the end of his tenure in Tallahassee, he was not a national championship coach then either and what was going on. And a lot of it had to do with his personal life. Uh, a lot of it had to do with Florida State and the fact that they were – Still a very 1994 athletic department in 2016. And that was frustrating to Jimbo Fisher. And he had every right to feel frustrated. But he had dug his heels in on making some necessary changes to his staff. Uh, 
he had dug his heels in on things systematically and things were starting to, to tank in Tallahassee and the only people who were really noticing were the people who regularly watched that program going, I don't, I don't know if I like what's going yeah. on here. And, but if Texas A&M had asked the right questions, not, oh, this guy won a national championship four years ago. He doesn't want to be where he's going to be. They don't want to give him all he's going to give. Well, we have nothing but money. We regularly Scrooge McDuck just to feel better about our lives yeah. where we swim around in a big thing of money. So this is very interesting in that they made this huge financial commitment. They did this whole thing about like, here's a national championship trophy with the date set to be filled in. I mean, all of that for not. I mean, Texas A&M was paying him way too much. Everyone knows that. But they were also uh, – rewarding him for the work that he did at Florida State early in his t time at Florida State at, at that. And uh, Florida State, I mean, you as an alum, you've got to be feeling pretty good because, I mean, he gave you guys the national championship down in Tallahassee, and then Texas A&M comes in and gives him the reward for that. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what happened. Now, uh, I do need them to stay the F away from Mike Norvell. Like, you keep your greasy mitts off of Mike Norvell. You can have anybody else you want. But Mike Norvell. And also, please don't hire Urban Meyer. That's just tired, and we'll show you. Like, that's, that's the desperation is a stinky cologne. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but they, uh, I, I think that there's so much that, like, this is – he's, he's going to be the avatar for everything that's wrong with coaching contracts – in that I know way more than I have ever wanted to know that, about okay, contracts look, and financial legalese. Okay. Here's, here's the thing, Jacob. These schools, when they give extensions to people, are negotiating against themselves. Or they're negotiating against the idea that someone could leave. Here's the thing. If someone wants to leave, they're going to. Yeah. And so the only thing you can do is protect yourself and give them the extension that they want and keep paying them fairly. But if they've decided that there's no amount of money that you can pay them and they're going to go to a different spot, then you giving them a 10 year extension was only for their benefit and not for yours. Because now like, what is you, you're negotiating against yourself. You gave this guy a raise and you paid him more money in the last two years of his contract before he left anyway. Right. Right. And so these things all happen. There's no, and look, Coaches don't owe loyalty any more than the school owes loyalty to the coach in this situation. But the school's not being able to stand up to the coach and say, like, hey, look, we'll give you a raise every year if you keep winning, but, you know, we're not going to, like, give you a 10-year contract. Like, you know, we, we, we're not going to – like, all the clauses that he got, like, everything's going to be standard. Standard buyout, standard payouts, this, this and this and that. So if we fire you, you're protected – if you leave us in the lurch, you're protected. But Jimbo had no buyout, so if he left and taken a job at, say, LSU a couple years ago, which everybody, Garrett, thought that he was, yeah. and he never was going to. Glad that didn't happen. Yeah, because, yeah, when they, like, <laughs> yeah, they thought he was going to LSU. It, it didn't happen. And, you know, because Scott Woodward was there and all those things, it was never going to happen. But then they gave him another extension on top of that because – LSU found themselves in the position of having to let go of Coach O a couple years after he won the national title. But that was a multi-layered mm -hmm. mess of things that happened. That Jimbo, which is why he wasn't going to go there, because he was going to let, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm going to let somebody else fix that. That's not going to be my thing. Plus, now I can, you know. They're also, LSU, the other thing that people didn't realize is that once A&M gave Jimbo the deal that they gave him, he was not going to go anywhere because when Jimmy Sexton would have called up LSU or say he was doing pretty well at A&M and, and Nick Saban retires, calls up Alabama, will go, we're going to take um, the same deal but for more money at Alabama. I was like, no, we're not giving you fully guaranteed. No. Like, no. No one was giving him that contract again, and they give out ridiculous contracts all over college football, and that one – was ridiculous to the stupidest level possible. Like I said before, there's no offset. If he takes another job, if he, say, takes the job at San Diego State, because Brady Hoke retired today, mm -hmm. if he decided, you know what, I'm going to go live in San Diego, he's going to get $7 million a year from Texas A&M, and then whatever he makes from San Diego mm -hmm. State. Like, I, I'm just... Whew. 
on, on the contract. But that that's the biggest part. Like the, that's the most unbelievable part of the story is what they did. But the reasons behind him getting fired are all very valid. Oh yeah, he, I mean he did not live up to what A and M perceives as. Uh, their standards, even though their history kind of uh, proves that they're right where they've always been ever since they haven't won. I, I wouldn't say he is living like they 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 hired him to exceed what they had been, and he never did that. Now, but, is that completely Jimbo's fault? Probably not. Like that's another section of the topic. I mean, I, I have always always viewed Texas A and M fans as one very easily angered. And um, also really entitled because mm -hmm. they have very little recent history. Johnny Manziel won a Heisman Trophy, which was exciting there. And they, I believe 1998 was their last conference title of any kind. Yes. And that was in the Big 12. That was a very long time ago. And I just, like, other than the fact that they have money and they have infrastructure, like, what are you entitled to? Why? And, and there's, there's buzz all over the internet and people who I know, Aggies out there on coaches that they want to bring in now that they finally got rid of Jimbo and any of the names that you keep hearing people throw out, you're going to have to overpay that person to agree to leave wherever they are and come. And it's like, did you not just learn from your really, really bad mistake? Because they just overpaid Jimbo Fisher and they're, they're, seeing the repercussions for it and don't feel entitled to, to the coach that you want because you have the money to lure him away. Yeah. No. And, and I do think they need to, because look, if you ask most of their fans, they, they'll tell you, they have no idea what happens. Like there's no, like there's no, I mean, they've got to feel relieved because most A&M but, fans are not affected by this buyout. No, but like, as far as A&M fans, um, look, you're a Rangers fan. You now know, what it's like to be a champion. Yeah. You did not before, but now you do. Almost every AM fan that's alive right now does not know what it's like to be a champion. Um, there, I'm sure, are a straggling few who remember 1939, but I doubt that they're in a position where that's the most important thing <laughs> of their day. <laughs> so there are not many who remember that. So when you look at the fan base here, you look at a fan base that, especially now, has been paying Rolls-Royce prices for, for, let's just call it Toyota production. Yeah. Like, you know what? I'll, I'll drive a Toyota. Like, my wife drives one. Great car. Love it. But um, I also know what she paid for that car. Had she paid Rolls-Royce prices for that car, I'd be like, you know, I think you're missing some features here. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly some guy named Jeeves to drive it like <laughs> that too. But like, if you want, like if you want to pay the Rolls Royce prices, like there are schools out there that are paying Rolls Royce prices and getting Rolls Royce production. You know, Alabama is Georgia is end of sentence. No, I mean, I mean Michigan is like, and you, you could say it for a time at Clemson too. Yeah. Clemson, although just went to like, they went full Rolls Rolls Royce last year and then have seen their worst season in that whole time. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's all a very weird thing going on. So that's what they, that's what they wanted. And that's what they're not getting. And it's, it's understandably frustrating, just like, you know, years of being a Rangers fan and going, I mean, the, like there were, they've probably over my lifetime had 20 teams that had lineups that could have won the world series like this one did, you know, and that's, that's a third of their history. Yeah. You know, in 60 years. A third of their history, they've had lineups good enough. Now, you know, sometimes you get injuries. Sometimes you have things. Sometimes the Mariners win 119 games in a season. Like, you, you can't control those things. Right. You know, like that other teams do. But, like, in the, in the times where they've been close, you get that time where it's like, how is this, like, what more yeah. do you need? Like, I mean, 2011 was the prime example of what you're exactly. talking about. So. With A&M and looking at the recruiting that Jimbo has done there, which has been better than any recruiting they've ever done before, which is something he did really, really well, the problem was is that he would, you know, take those big recruits and then they just kind of stay. Like, they're just kind of here. So they have the infrastructure of everything you want. You mentioned the infrastructure earlier. Their NIL collective is better than probably anybody's. Like, they're fine there. And I do have a theory on this. The schools that are really bad at NIL are the ones who never cheated. Like who never 
like who never had that issue, who never got a player suspended for it, like all of that, like or they're just really, really good at keeping things hush hush. No, I don't think they were. I just don't think they were really do, like they did it, but like they weren't doing it a large scale. Sure, like you would do it like a one off. Like, hey, we got to make sure we get this guy here. We're gonna do that. Let's the only like you know. That's the only ethics I'll compromise to do this as a coach. I, I, I hate what's going on in the places, but I really got to have this one guy. Yeah. And maybe that one guy helps you, but then you can't do it again. But the schools who were able to just, like, turn it on, just dust it off, like, A&M was doing it in the 80s like crazy, and they just, like, mm-hmm. just blow the dust off of this one. Like, hey, update this for modern times. I mean, there's <laughs> – Pretty famously bought Eric Dickerson the, the trans A and M and like yeah. and it was just the the ultimate troll move on his part to, to yeah. go elsewhere. So, so those schools like schools like A and M they have that gigantic like they're you know the coaches are not going to want for anything they're going to be paid fairly or like more than fairly obviously they're going to get the assistance that they want all those things are available in College Station. So because you have all those things available to you. What does it come down to? Well, when you have all those things available for you, it falls squarely on the feet of picking the right head coach and of the athletic department staying out of his way enough so that he can do his job. I think A&M did an outstanding job of staying out of Jimbo's way until the very end when he needed somebody to get in his way a little bit and say, hey, um, this is not working. Yeah. You are not schematically adjusting. And Gary, you and I have talked about this. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to go for it on fourth down, it's fine if the other guy isn't either. Correct. But if the other guy is going to start going for it on fourth down and running all these different kind of offenses and confuse it, like doing things that you're not doing, then you either have to do them or you need to somehow find some sort of established social contract that, like, listen, going forward on a fourth down is reckless and silly, and we should just punt. Are we both going to punt? Good, I'm glad you're with me. That's not going to happen. So as the game evolves, you have to evolve. And Jimbo Fisher, who, when he was an offensive coordinator at LSU and the head coach and OC at FSU, his offense was innovative. And because it was innovative, he thought it still was. It still is, but it's not. It's just really, I mean, it's like every facet of life, right? you got to adapt or die. You're going to get left behind in situations, and he didn't do that there. I honestly feel like what the, the final straw was when he was given essentially the ultimatum this year of you bring in an efficient offensive coordinator or, you know, it, it, you're done. And he instead, his ego and everything got in the way. He tried to be slick. He brought in Bobby Petrino, let Bobby Petrino exactly mm-hmm. just call his same plays, and it backfired on him. If he would have went out, found somebody young or somebody who could bring in a modern offense and cut it loose, he would probably still be working at A&M today. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, look, Dan Lanning, who's a guy I think uh, is, is going to get a call from A&M. I don't know if he's going to say I yes or not. I would not touch that job if I was Dan Lanning. I would. He's got, no. a, he's got a great thing going at Oregon he, right He's now. going to the Big Ten with the same amount of money. He's got Phil Knight's Nike money. I'm not going down there and putting up with those crazy people at a and I'm going to push back against Phil Knight's Nike money. Here's what I'm going to say about Phil Knight. He's going in a minute, yeah. Phil, Phil Knight knows this. Phil Knight knows that if you want to leave, go. You know how I know he knows this? Who are the last two coaches at Oregon before Dan Lanning? Did they get fired or did they leave of their own accord and Oregon didn't do anything to stand in their way? I get that, but I feel like the unwarranted pressure, the 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 um everything you got to deal with, the regents, all that Texas coming in, I'm not touching that A&M job if I'm Dan Lanning. When I haven't made it Oregon, and I can go into the Big Ten, I can have essentially the same type of money I'm getting from the SEC, and I can go and beat the SEC teams in the 12-team playoff. I'm not going to A&M. Yeah, I, I, would, I would be all over A&M if I'm any coach. You know, if, I mean, if any coach with ego, which Dan Lanning clearly has. Um, but, and I say that in a good way. But, if I, like, if I'm A&M, I, I, I need to find a guy – who can keep this roster together. And to me, there's not many of those guys that can. Now, if I want to tell you who I think the best candidate for the job is, it's not Dan Lanning or Mike Elko or any of that. I think it's Jeff Trailer. I think Jeff Trailer is a good enough coach on the field, and he's a good enough recruiter. If you just give him that infrastructure, he's going to do well. But again, I don't know if Jeff Trailer can keep that roster together that most coaches would want to have if he can keep them in. Like when December 4th happens – 
and the transfer portal opens up, they need to have a coach in place who is ready to rock. He's already, I mean, Jeff Trailer, I think he's the perfect hire because he's got very deep roots here in the state of Texas. He's been successful everywhere he's been in the college level or the high school level. And to go back to your point about the transfer portal, he's already having to recruit his own players at UTSA right now. Yeah. And he, he very kind of vocally addressed that in, in the, uh, the offseason last year. Like, hey, like, how am I supposed to maintain my football program if I've got people openly recruiting guys that are already on my team? Yeah. I mean, yeah, look, I, and I, like, I somewhat agree with your point on Dan Lanning, but I also know that he's a guy who's got SEC roots. And but, that, that, but he doesn't have Texas roots, though. Does, look, here's the thing. Matt Rule proved here that this whole Texan bullshit yeah. that happens of like, only if you're from here can you speak this language. It's English, man. It's football. They know it. You want good Jimbo Fisher wasn't a Texan, and that's not why he didn't make it there. He didn't make it because he was too stubborn to to adapt. Like, you're telling me Nick Saban, not a Texan, if he wanted an AM job, you're like, I don't know if he can do it. He can't speak Texan. My pushback on the Dan Landing thing, again, would be he's in a situation now with the 12-team playoff where he can still run through the SEC to get to a championship. He just doesn't have to play them week in and week out. Yes, yeah. That's where I'm at with that. Still a pretty tough schedule. It is, there. but he's still going through the – that's what I'm saying. If Oregon if, – if realignment wouldn't have happened and Oregon was staying in the Pac-12, everything was staying pat – yeah, I would probably head to the A&M and do it. Now that you're going into the Big Ten and you have a 12-team playoff and you have everything going for you, why, why mess with the headache? Hey, here's what I would also say, though. Oregon's not getting a full share for a while. He can go to A&M and his, his university will also have that full share and not be able to tell him, like, you know, you got to go ask Papa Phil for the money. Man, so, I, just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I Look, I think they're going to make a – and I think they should make a huge push for Dan Lanning because I think Dan Lanning can keep the roster intact. I worry about Jeff Trailer being able to do that. And he's not a splashy hire. you got to have the splashy hire. I don't, like, I don't need that, it. Like, that's this. just that's, – it's straight-up ego. It is. Yeah. It's straight-up ego. And yeah. it, it's landed him in this exact situation right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. No, they you're, should. You're, like, you're, Jeff Trailer would be the absolute – to me, I think long-term, you've got a guy who, if you gave him that job – there's nothing anybody could do to make him leave. Like, like if he, especially if he did well, like he's going to plant it there. He's going to own East Texas. That, but if you don't he's hire gonna own him, Houston, if you, if, if they don't hire Jeff trailer, Jeff trailer will be in the sec coaching at Arkansas pretty soon. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's either yeah. going to be like, here's the thing. It's either to me, Arkansas's next coach is either Jeff trailer or Rhett Lashley. Cause Rhett Lashley's mm -hmm. an Arkansas guy. And Rhett Lashley, I wonder about just because he's, he's in a path. place that again they're going to the they're going to the Power Five and they don't care about money. Yeah, and it's the ACC is easier to traverse. Than yeah, the well, SEC. it's the ACC and and the best teams are about to leave it. Yeah, and when they get their way, so like you know, like I can I could probably find my way into the twelve team playoff in the ACC a lot more if I don't have to play Florida State and Clemson. Mm -hmm. Like you know, that, that, that's gonna be that's gonna be a heck of a thing when you get there and. You know they're trying to play other people, so I, um, I, I don't know. Like I, there's there are so many layers to the story, and and look, A and M needs to in a very short amount of time, mind you, because December fourth is a huge day. If you wake up on December fourth and Evan Stewart and Walter Nolan and all those guys are all of a sudden in the portal, Ruben Owens, like. You've got a problem. Now, you can always pull them back, but if Ruben Owens is in the portal on December 4th, he's at another school on December 6th. Like, there's no – it's yeah. not – like, th those are the kind of things because he was a five-star running back a year ago. Evan Stewart's in the portal on December 4th. He's probably at another school on December 4th. I mean, yeah. like, it's not going to happen. So you need to make sure that you get somebody in there who can excite the locker room. And – it's going to do something innovative and different. Now, I think Jeff Trailer's that guy. I think there's other guys who could do it. Now, I read in Bruce Feldman's column the, the ultimate wild card in this, and I don't think it's as wild as it would be considering the franchise he coaches for, mm -mm. but Dan Campbell, they'll no. try to go get him. No. Why would you leave the NFL to go mess with NIL and recruits in the transfer portal? I, I know. I know. I'm I know. Not, no. But he's kind of crazy. 
So he is. <laughs> he is kind of crazy, but I mean, he's also turning the Detroit Lions into a very, very good football team. Yeah. And I don't think that Lions fans and their ownership want to just let that go coach a college football team. No, I know. But I like I don't think it will happen, but I do think that they will ask. <laughs> and I think that they should. Like honestly, no, you I should, should think, ask. I yeah. think you should call up because please laugh in their faces, Dan. <laughs> I don't think he would. I think he'd. I think yeah, he'd consider. I, you're it. right. He's he's too nice of a guy. <laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, he's an Aggie. So again, they've never they've never done the Michigan man thing where they they hire one of their own. Um, so I mean, other than Gene Stallings, but since then they haven't done it. And. You know, I, I there there are there are a lot of things they can do, and there's a lot of things that they've done well. That's the that's the problem. Is that the reason this is so hard to wrap your head around? Is that Jimbo Fisher, for the most part, is a winning coach, and most programs would be like, yeah, yeah, we had that one five and seven season, but we can deal with seven and four, eight or seven and five, eight and four, nine and three. Like we get a ten win season, maybe there's that year where everything hits and you go. Um, that's like Baylor's baseline right there. Like yeah. that needs to be theirs because they don't have the resources that Texas A&M does. At this point, Texas A&M is just pouring all this money into the football program, and they're just not getting out what they're putting in. And so they need to find that person who can do that. Now the problem then becomes is that you are in a league where you have two or you have three schools – that are the elite of the elite right now in Bama, Georgia, and LSU. And LSU finds their way to national titles no matter what's going on around. Yep. <laughs> they just find their way to it. They just need that one thing to happen. And so, like Brian Kelly, I think will win one there because everyone else defense. has. But what? He gets a defense. But, but he'll, like, he's – He's smart and organized enough to, like, stumble his way into it to me. Right. Like, he's good enough to where he'll make the decisions right in a row. He did it at Notre Dame and, and just eventually hit the ceiling there. But – and now you've got Texas and Oklahoma coming in, both schools with a, a tremendous amount of financial wherewithal. Um, and Oklahoma and has been great. Like, they're one of the, the blue of the – bluest of the blue buds. Yeah. So you have those programs you have to worry about. Not to mention that if Florida or Tennessee got their acts together, that would be a big problem for everybody. And one day they will. Like, that's, that's the thing. Well, Tennessee's already starting to look that way. Everybody else in the SEC, to me, outside of the programs I mentioned, I mean, they might have their good, like, the Arkansas and South Carolinas, Kentuckys, Missouris, like, they're going to have their good years and bad, like, mm -hmm. There's going to be a flow, but you have, just like Oregon's about to deal with in the Big Ten, is that you do have, you're going to have some people that are going to be supremely committed all the time to doing it, and then you're going to have, you know, the Mississippi states of the world who want to, but again, they cannot, you know, it would, it would be like your local burger shack going, you know, one day I'm going to be just like, Wendy's mm -hmm. and you're like well that's a long time from now <laughs> like I support you and your goal but there's a lot of things you got to do along the way <laughs> so there there there's so much but so A&M is one of those schools that will do anything it takes to keep pace with everybody and they are but they've just never picked their there's always one fatal flaw Kevin Sumlin uh for example could not coach defense and their conditioning wasn't like they would lose. They would jump up 21 points and lose games in the fourth quarter all the time. That you go watch Kevin Sumlin games at AM, you're like, holy cow, this offense is just humming. This is unbelievable. And then, you know, if you like walked away, be like, well, they're up by 21. I think I walk the dog and, you know, get the grill fired up and start cooking. And then you like turn the TV on. You're like, oh, they, they're down by seven. How did that happen in six minutes in the fourth quarter? So then Jimbo comes and fixes a lot of that stuff. And improves the recruiting, which Kevin Sumlin did as well. There's no doubt about that. But when you're like, hey, um, it feels like teams have figured out exactly what you're going to do and they're ready for it, would you change that? No, that's not my fault. That's the player's fault. And they're like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> man, come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> So, okay, so then you're going to get better players. No problem. I'll get the number one recruiting class. Went and did it. Hey, they're still figuring you out and you have the number one recruiting class? Yeah, it's still their fault. 
feels like there's a common denominator here. And we need to take a break because I've got to like repurpose my thoughts. And we haven't even talked about Zach Arnett yet uh, and, and how that's a completely different situation than what's going on. But this is mostly going to be Jimbo today. Like there's like, I know that we had a, like yeah. a, kind of a wild college football weekend and things happened and all that, but uh, we've got to take a break. So we're going to do that when we come back more about Jimbo Fisher. This is the triple option on 365 sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, metro ethernet, waves, dark fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. I want you guys to know how efficient that break was for all of us. Yeah. Garrett got some work done over here in 60 seconds. Jacob went to the restroom. I rescheduled a doctor's appointment. Yup. That all happened in 60 seconds. Yeah, very efficient. Yes. I mean, I, I'm pretty proud of what we all just did. Very Especially clutch. you, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, my wife doesn't call me efficient, but uh, she, she does laugh at uh, how fast I can be at, at, at certain times. <laughs> you know, when you're a little kid and you go to the bathroom, people cheer for you. And then when you get, to, as an adult, they just, they don't ever cheer for you. Sometimes nope. it's nice to get applause for things that, you know, just to get applause. Yeah. <laughs> we all have self-esteem. <laughs> so, um, okay, back to Bloody Sunday, which let's pause on Jimbo for a second and talk about Zach Arnett at Mississippi State. Same conference, same game, also fired. He is um, he's in a different situation. They lost Mike Leach tragically. They elevated Zach Arnett to the interim head coach, and then they decided to run with that after the bowl win last year and see if they could maybe keep that intact Mississippi State has not been good this year. I do think a lot of that has to do with the, I mean, losing your head coach like that, like mm -hmm. there is some emotional weight that they, I'm sure they've been carrying all year. Yeah. And so Zach Arnett to me, and this is no disrespect to him, but he was kind of a glorified interim head coach. He will be a defensive coordinator somewhere else, probably USC. I think he, I think he might get the USC job because I don't like, I think Jim Leonard is the best hire for USC, mm -hmm. but I think he might get, the Indiana job, if that opens up. So then you're kind of like, well, now I got to go to the number two. Number two should probably be Zach Arnett because he runs the right defense that, that they need to have there in, in L.A. So I think he's going to be all right. I think it stinks for him that this had to be his first head coaching gig under the circumstances it was in the division that he was in. But they did have Will Rogers coming back. Yep. and But they just never looked like Mississippi State. They never looked like that team. It was just – Kind of an impossible situation. Yeah. Like, show me a coach that would actually be successful there, and yeah. I, colored me very impressed. Yeah. Well, and, like, the thing is, is that Mike Leach was successful in all the places to the level of success he, he was. Lubbock, Pullman, Starkville, because he was so quirky and could see through. Like, he didn't see things the way that a lot of coaches do. And so, because of that, the draw of being in Athens or – Miami, well, Miami maybe, but like Athens or, you know, Austin or something like that wasn't as, that wasn't as cool to him. Yeah. You know, he, he kind of liked being in West Texas until, until West Texas, for whatever reason, got tired of him. Uh, he liked being in Pullman until it was like, well, I've always wanted to coach in the SEC. Mississippi State, heck yeah, I'll, I'll go to Starkville. You know, like those are. Yeah, I mean, he, he was quirky, but he was also innovative and adaptive. Yeah. Which is why he was as successful as he was over, like, he was a head coach in multiple eras of college yeah. football. Yeah, so here, 
So then you've got Zach Randolph having to take that over. And they just never, like, if the point was to look like Mike Leach's team again, that was not going to be the case because Mike Leach wasn't there. Unless you, if you want to do that, then you probably hire Cliff Kingsbury. Like, that's what you, that's mm-hmm. what you need to do, you know, which I don't, I don't think is outside the realm of possibility, to be, to be quite honest with you. Um, but uh, they have, they're in a different thing. I, I'm very curious to see who they hire. I think that um, the coach at Troy, um, who I was going to tell you his name in a second, um, John Summerall would be a good one for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Charles Huff would be a good one for that. Um, and I do think that not to ruin a part of a top five, uh, but Glenn Schumann at Georgia might be up for that one as well, the, the defensive coordinator there. So um, I, uh, I think Mississippi State is an interesting one to follow. And they have to, they're in the same league as A&M, and they'll get 1% of the coverage of this because they don't have to you know, pay somebody the entire athletic budget of a conf- of a G5 conference. Basically the away. GDP of a small country. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, okay, Jimbo Fish, they're going to pay him $75 million. That's over the next, you know, what? I think six years. Six to eight years, yeah. So he's got, he's got a couple, like, big payments, like balloon payments, and then it's $7 million a year until, like, 2030 or whatever. So six or seven years. $75 million is not even the operational is, – is, like, more than the operational athletic budget at a school like Toledo. Yeah. Like, that's for every sport. <laughs> like, they spend less than that on every sport they have. This is all just going to go to one guy. And so that shows you the, the, the pond that A&M is swimming in. And Mississippi State, you know, doesn't have that kind of money, but they've got – they're in the SEC, they got money. But they're going to have to find, they're going to have to find that diamond in the rough, because if you look around, the coaches that came before Mike Leach were either on their way up or on their way down. Mm-hmm. You know, Jackie Sherrill was on his way out of coaching, and Mississippi State was his last stop. Um, Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen was on his way up, and then he went to Florida, and he was on his way out because <laughs> he he decided that the new world of like, and I admire Dan Mullen for this. Dan Mullen's the first coach that, and maybe he might get back in, but you could very outwardly tell, I don't like the way things are going. I've made a lot of money. I think I'll be good on TV. I'm going to do that because I don't like this, which is what I think is headed for Dabo Sweeney one day, but he won't ever say those words out loud. Like Dan Mullen pretty much did. It was like, yeah. When they're telling Dan Mullen, hey, uh, you're not recruiting with Georgia, he's like, yeah, I, like, it's tough. Like, this is a whole new world. And then you could just see in his face, like, I don't know if I, I want to do that. Like, do, do I really? And he got, here's the thing. He got fired for Florida for not recruiting enough, but he also got them in trouble for breaking recruiting rules. Mm-hmm. So, it, again, it's a weird time. So, I don't know what my point is on all that, but just saying that things are different, Miss, things are changing. Mississippi State. Um, Mississippi State, like, and his coach, like, so they had Dan Mullen who, like, again, he was on his way up. As soon as Florida opened up and they said, well, we've got to get one of Urban Meyer's dudes back in here again, that's what they did, and it just then. I, I think the best two options out there for Mississippi State would be Jonathan Smith at Oregon State because he's done it in a similar place yeah. that you're going to do in Starkville like you did out in Corvallis and Jamie Chadwell because he's mm. going to get in the SEC eventually. That would be a good stepping stone because if he, he don't have to go in and win championships, he can get like seven, eight wins a year, upset somebody every couple of years, and he could be living kosher in Starkville. My, my theory on Jamie Chadwell is he's the replacement for Dabo at Clemson. That's a, that would be a great fit. Yeah, if Dabo ever leaves – because Dabo, look, I'll tell you this right now. Dabo's not getting fired. Dabo's not getting the A&M job. Like, those are things that, like, float out. Like, he's going to be at Clemson, mm-hmm. but there's going to be a time where Dabo just goes, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, yeah, he'll, he'll either retire or the only other job I could ever see Dabo taking would be if Alabama came calling. Yeah, but see, if Al, is Alabama going to come calling if you're going to be on your high horse about yeah. all the things that they're already doing? Because he's, I only say that because yeah. that's his own motto. Yeah, I know. But like, if Alabama called and said Nick Saban's retired, you're our first choice, 
And he's be like, yeah, but you know, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do the transfer portal and your NIL. I don't want to know about it. Because mm-hmm. that's pretty, like, Clemson has a good NIL thing. They just don't, I don't think they talk to Dabo about it. Yeah. <laughs> One other name we haven't mentioned, I've mentioned it before, yeah. is Brian Hartline, the offensive coordinator yep. at Ohio State. Yeah. You got, a, you got a thought there, Garrett? I think he would be a good fit. I just I feel like he's waiting for something bigger than Mississippi State. I mean, Texas A&M should give him that, a call, too. I would definitely call if I was A&M. Because they wouldn't – the difference between – like, it's he's a younger guy like Dan Lanning. He, he would be a good coach in College Station. But you probably don't have to overpay Brian Hartline to get him to leave his current job the way you would Dan Lanning. And so I just think the – Recruiting and offensive innovation he has had success in at Ohio State. I don't see how peop- more people aren't talking about him. No, I, I, and I think part of that, I think Ohio State's trying to, like, quash that <laughs> a little bit. And, you know, they're, they're focused on beating Michigan in two weeks. And then if they do that or if they don't do that, like, once, once the – because the Michigan State thing's about to heat up, yeah. too. Because I would think, especially also for Mike Elko – Mike Elko is a candidate for both A&M and Michigan State. So, yeah, I, I, my third option for Mississippi State would be Jed Fish, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if uh, – I mean, he's coming into a league that he might be able to win pretty soon, I know, too. that's the thing. Like that – and – and hmm. That'd be – that's that's a good – I – um. I think I think I think Kingsbury is an option if they want to do that because I, I mean be. he's not going to be an offensive coordinator forever and you know that like that's a better place for him to go and prove that he can be a winning head coach than say to throw his hat in the ring for the A and M job and, and I mean, all that. And Cliff like, Kingsbury has also never been cheaper as a hire in his his, his career ever since he uh, was at Texas Tech, but yeah, I think that would some, be something to consider because money is the the root of this entire issue. And yeah. so I think focusing on not overpaying people, that should be so, so highly considered. Yeah. Well, and um, A&M's going to overpay. Even, like, the only reason A&M doesn't overpay somebody is if somebody can come in with the roster that they have and Bob stoops it in the second year, like, win a national title, which I think is very possible with the roster that they have. They have a ton of talent on that roster. It's not being coached the right way. And if you got the Bob Stoops kind of person in there, and it's not going to be Bob Stoops. Let me, <laughs> let me just say it's not going to be that. But Bob Stoops came into Oklahoma with John Blake's players and won a national championship. They haven't won one since then, but that's what A&M also needs to find is who can win fastest with this talent and then sustain it. Because Bob Stoops sustained it, they just never won the title again. What, what's the window on when they need to announce a coach? Because the transfer portals have opened. Like, they can hit the portal now out of A&M. When do you need well, to Well, they can hit the portal in? on December 4th. So you need somebody by December 4th? Yeah, yeah before December 4th. Before. So right. you need someone pretty much either right, right before championship weekend, which makes me think also it's not going to be Dan Lanning. Right. So – they need to call Dan Lanning and see if they can wrestle him away from Oregon, but that messes with their timetable because Oregon is one game too good for them right now. If Oregon had one loss right now, they could probably be talking to Dan Lanning and, and have that done by championship weekend because they're not going to the, the CFP this year. You can probably make that if that's your guy. But if you're Dan Lanning and you could possibly be in the CFP and, and, and win it with the team that they have – then you may not want to mess with that like right now because then you're going to go back and look like, oh, you could go to A&M and just like every other coach since Dana X Bible, not win the national title and be like, man, I, I, I might have been able to do it, especially seeing what might happen like down the line. Like, you know, um, George, like Georgia could lose. Like, you know, Georgia could lose to Alabama in the SEC title game and – you know, then you'd be like, oh, well, we, would, we could maybe beat that Alabama team. I don't know if we could have beaten the Georgia team, but, you know, we certainly could beat Alabama. Damn. All right. Well, now. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would count more on Ohio State beating Michigan and then Michigan getting pushed out because they've got one loss and we don't want to deal with them because of all the stuff circling that program right yeah. now. I'm not, I'm not counting on Ohio State beating Michigan. Michigan, um, I think, generally kicked Penn State's ass this week. 
and threw the ball ten times, less than ten times. You know, they 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 knew that they weren't going to be able to throw the ball all that much on Penn State, and they didn't want the pass rush to be an issue. So they're just like, we're just not going to make it an issue, and we'll win this game. I mean, twenty-four to fifteen was the final score, but that wasn't really what was going on there. It was like. Sheer, yeah. sheer dominance, especially in that third quarter and second half by Michigan. So, um, but we'll see. Like, you know, Ohio State's not the hero we we want, but it's the hero we need, I guess. If you don't <laughs> want Michigan State in the things or Michigan in the thing, I. Um, but yeah, there's 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 a lot going on. But A and M needs to have a coach in place probably before championship weekend. Which means that you're looking at your Mike Elko's, your your guys like Jeff Trailers and things like that. Now I do think and like and I will die on this hill, their number one choice should be Dan Lanning, but the timetable is they're gonna have to like again, and they can money whip anybody, but that's what they're gonna have to do is like, hey, we need you to be the head coach, and then we'll let you coach out the string with Oregon, but Good luck walking back into that room <laughs> and and doing that. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> that's like breaking up with a girl and then asking if if you know you can stay at her parents' house over the or weekend. I would be like, hey, after prom we're gonna break up, but <laughs> I don't want to spend time finding another prom date. So let's just do that because I've already ordered or, a limo and made the reservation. Or just like on the first day of a week-long vacation, you know? You, you break up, but you got to spend an entire week together. Yeah, that's, that's what it would be like. And, you know, um, so they, they do have to have somebody in place before championship weekend. Like before championship weekend, they have to have somebody in place announced and ready to go. Literally, like LSU game ends – they wake up in the somebody, morning. Yeah. This is the or the new head coach is in the box watching the LSU game and making notes on the players like Matt Rule was for the bowl game with yeah. Baylor. Like that's what you need to have. Like Joey McGuire. Yeah. Like you need that kind of thing where he's sitting there going like, "Oh, I've got Evan Stewart and Walter Nolan's going to have surgery, but he'll be back next year." And man, this Shamar Turner. I hope I can keep him here. You know, all those things. Like he he'll he'll go through those. But I mean, you saying that makes me think that. The chips might fall with Jeff Trailer because most of the other candidates that they might be more hot and bothered about right now, Dan Lanning, uh, if they are considering Brian Hartline, guys who are coaching on, on staffs that are very much in the CFP conversation, Jeff Trailer, I'm sure that he is in College Station within the hour after they call him. Yeah. Um, and they wouldn't have to give up an arm and a leg. They just maybe a pinky or, or a toe. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, here's an interesting one from Chris Vanini. Uh, do you know who the Texans quarterback coach is? Texans quarterback coach. No, I don't. It's Gerard Johnson. Oh. Gerard Johnson's dream job is? A&M. That. He will tell you, he will tell anybody who asks. Would not surprise, and he, like, you can say, like, hey, what's he doing? I don't know. Have you seen C.J. Stroud play? <laughs> have you, have you seen that? I wouldn't maybe roll him out there because you'd want to get him back in and, and coaching a little bit, but yeah, he uh, might be. I might you might bring him in as your OC. Oh, I, I would totally do that. But I don't know about the head coach to yeah. replace Jimbo. No, uh, but I would I would think like if you were, although sometimes if you're you got to be smart. Like you bring in an OC whose dream job is your job. I don't know if you do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if you sit down like so, Gerard, what's your dream job? Though you your job. Mm-hmm. I want oh, I want yours. I want yours. <laughs> Oh, um, this is awkward. This is awkward. <laughs> I mean, I would love to have you here. I know you'd love it here, but, and you seem like a really nice guy, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what, uh, what are your career goals? Your exact career. That's I'm what I want. Your seat. <laughs> this, I want. I want your career and I want to do it better. This, this office would look perfect if you and I were switched. <laughs> like, if you were here and I was there, that would be perfect to me, but I'm thrilled to have this job. <laughs> that's how that would be. Uh, but that, that's an interesting one from Chris Vanini um, there. Uh, I think Chris, Cl like, Chris Kleiman fits A&M's culture very well, and he is so efficient, and he wins, and he would have an influx of money I just don't know if 
I just don't know if that's going to make everybody happy. I, that's another one where I, I would think – I personally don't necessarily think he would deal, want to deal with the headache of A&M people. Like, you have it made in Manhattan. While it's, it's apples to oranges as far as financially, you can do your own thing. It's your program. There's not anybody going to be, you know, breathing down your neck if you drop a, a close game. Like, there's just so much. And I really also think Texas coming back in – is a bigger factor in all of this. Oh, yeah. I mean, if Texas wasn't coming back in, you could maybe, like, ride out another yeah. year or so with Jimbo and say, like, okay, like, I know you brought in Petrino, but now you have to let him call his plays and not yours. And then see if you can get that done down the line. And then maybe you get the buyout down to 50 to where it's, it's still ridiculous, but not but it's, insane. Yeah, more reasonable. That's actually a good point you guys just brought up because, I mean, Chris Klein, I think he'd be a good hire for them. So would Lance Leipold. And – Look, it'd be kind of smart if your obsession is to beat the Texas Longhorns. Why not coach? Why not? Why not get a coach who has coached against them and beaten them? Yeah, and beaten Oklahoma too. Like everybody keeps forgetting about Oklahoma. Like A and M's rival is Texas. I mean, yeah. that's 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 who they care about. But also, if you're going to win in the SEC, you need to be better against Oklahoma than you were against them when they were in the Big Twelve, because A and M's record against Oklahoma in the Big Twelve was terrible. Right. I sat at a game that they had against Bob Stoops in one of Stoops's like transitional years. Still a good Oklahoma team, but not a great Oklahoma team. I want to say that um, Thompson was the quarterback, Paul Thompson. That that it might have been the um, the Rhett Bomar, mm-hmm. like you know that little scandal that happened, and Paul Thompson wound up having to be the quarterback when they were going to move to wide receiver and all that. It was in Kyle Field, and I watched Dennis Francione. Down by seven with less than less than ten minutes to go in the game, be inside the ten yard line twice and kick two field goals, and give the ball back to Oklahoma, down one with also no timeouts left, no timeouts left. All I had to do was get one first down, and I literally grabbed my dad's binoculars and looked at Bob Stoops, and he was like, he like you could tell him like he looked back at one of the assistant coaches, and he was like. Well, that's a decision. <laughs> um, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, like, hey, Bob, uh, or like, I guess it would be Bob, but like, hey, uh, don't give them the ball back. <laughs> just, <laughs> just get one first down. I don't need you to do anything, but get one first down. Oh, just one? Like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> You're right. That, that might be one of the most Texas A&M stories yeah, it was, of all time. And then I'm riding home with my dad and our friend, and another guy who went to the game with us, and the the side the tense silence between those three Aggies for about forty minutes, and like we got outside of like Calvert, and then one of them was like, three plus three equals six, <laughs> not seven. <laughs> you could have kicked one of those field goals, and then kicked the other one, and then you would have won by three, <laughs> not lost by one. <laughs> so either way, um, so that's like those are the things that they've dealt with is just getting right there. They're right there, uh, and then they and then they find a way not to. Jimbo Fisher has the recruiting better than it's ever been, but the coaching is not. How how does a person possess those two separate things at the same time? How can you be so good at getting people to come to your place, and then when they get there? You're only mediocre at coaching them. Yeah, I mean, it's it falls directly on the coaching. And I think they don't even need a good recruiting coach. Like, that's not something that they need because under Sumlin and Jimbo, through all of the mediocrity, they still manage to pull in these elite recruiting classes. I think anyone can recruit there because of the stuff that they have. Yeah. Like, look, 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 look around. This is a big, big campus, big school, lots of pretty Texas girls here. And a huge stadium, like, you don't need the world's best salesman to sell that. No, you don't. And, look, Kyler Murray, people forget, was at A&M. Mm-hmm. That's, he why was there. That's why yeah. someone gone. That's why someone got fired because of the and quarterback then debacle. Kyle Allen, also a guy who's, who's he's still in the NFL, like, was not, he's not Kyler Murray to win the Heisman Trophy, but he somehow lost both of them within an hour of each other yeah. to the transfer portal. Like, okay, look, I understand that I created this quarterback controversy. Which one of you wants to stay? Neither of us. 
crap. And then the only reason they were good after that is because an angel named Trevor Knight, like, appeared and said, like, hey, um, Oklahoma's getting, like, really packed for the quarterbacks right now, and I could come and play here. Great. Thank mm-hmm. God. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you guys – you guys heard of this Kyler Murray? He just moved into my dorm room. It's, it's messed up. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a reality show and down in College Station. It, they just don't want any cameras showing all the dysfunction that goes on. Yeah. So they need to get a coach who can just adapt with the times. And they don't need to chase just somebody – because of something they they did before. I get the thing. It's like, okay, well, there's only a few coaches who've won the national championship that are active. You know, Mac Brown, Jimbo, not anymore. But like, <laughs> but like when you made the hire, I don't even Mac was back at, at North Carolina. He was. So Mac's retired. You weren't going to hire him anyway because you could not have like said like, hey, you know who we're going to get to come and win a national title here? Mac Brown. He's like, no, you're not. <laughs> He's not welcome in these here parts. Um, you know, there was Nick Saban. Urban Meyer was active then. Like, you were, you, the only coaches who had actually done that were all not coming to AM from Ohio State or Alabama right. or retirement. You know, that wasn't, or, you know, the fact that, you know, they were a Longhorn coach, you know, all those things. They, so they said, okay, well, it's Jimbo Fisher. He's going to be the guy that we get. He did it at Florida State. He can do it here. Now, here's the other thing. And as a person who's walked in both these worlds, I feel uniquely qualified to talk about Jimbo Fisher, maybe more than most. All right, to say that just because Jimbo did it at Florida State means he can do it at AM is very insulting to Florida State and everything that Bobby Bowden built that Jimbo Fisher just got to, like, you know, scrape the gunk off a little bit, modernize it, and then turn around. And... If you need any more proof as to why this is true, I give you Mike Norvell. Like, it's a cool place to be, so it's easier to get people there because of their history and what they've done, as opposed to AM, where you have to say, like, I know we've never done it. They're just trying to buy history. That's yeah. what it seems like. Yeah. They don't know who they are. They just have a lot of money and they feel entitled to be able to say, hey, we're as good as Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney. Like, people who have skins on the wall, reasons to um, have this, this level of ego, and so... Um, but who you need is your Bowden. You need your Saban. You need your that. Who can, like, Nick Saban walked into a program that was full of history, with Bear Bryant and Gene Stallings both having won national titles, and he made it his. Yeah. You know? Kirby Smart has walked into Georgia and made it his. Who can be your guy that walks into Texas A&M and makes it theirs? Because Jimbo surely couldn't for everything you gave him. And I do think they did a really good job of staying out of his way because FSU got in his way at the end. They got in his way. He was saying, hey, we need to, like, Alabama's building the football-only facility. Clemson is. Those are the people we've got to worry about. We've got to keep pace with them. And they're like – oh, hey, let's ask our 100-year-old Booster Club president. He's like, well, Bobby and I would just kind of go down to steak dinners and roll mm. up money. He's like, well, no, no, we're, we're beyond steak dinners here. We need to be in, you know, corporate titans offices saying like, hey, this is the money we need. Like, ah, don't need those stuffed shirts telling me how to run an athletic program. Like, yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> you need their money. And so those are the things he, he was running up against. So A&M should have been – the perfect marriage. But it wasn't because you didn't look at the underlying issues that were going on with him in the first place, which was, you know, all the stuff was going on. Well, he's kind of a very spiteful dude. I don't know if you got that from all the Nick Saban arguments. He's pretty spiteful. So when they would come to him and say, like, hey, the offensive line's been kind of in decline the last couple years. Maybe you need to, you know, Coach Trick is older. Like, maybe you need to replace that. Hell no, I won't. Yep. I won the national title. You see that trophy? It says Jimbo Fisher. You know? And then, like, hey, um, you know, Charles Kelly seems to give up a lot of third and longs. That's where we seem to be losing games. No, I'm not gonna not gonna fire him either. He's a good recruiter. Like, yeah, but I mean, like, could you like make him the linebackers coach or the defensive backs coach and then let somebody else call the defense? Because it seems like, you know, he only has one problem and it's when it's third and seventeen. Like, you know. Sack on first down, sack on second down. 
28-yard bomb on third really makes the first two plays pointless. (laughs) So, no, I'm not going to do that. No, we're not going to change that. Okay, well, what if we gave you what you wanted? Well, you already told me you wouldn't. Yep. So so then you've got this whole – it was a cacophony of, like, loud, like, you know, we're not going to do this, we're going to do this, of all people who weren't qualified to be doing what they were doing. And and then Jimbo Fisher, who had who had probably earned that, not to mention, and I'm not going to get into this because it's 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 not germane to the conversation today, but he was going through a lot in his personal life. His, he was going through divorce, like, you know, he had a son that, that has a very rare disease and, you know, was going through all that. So, like, you, you combine all of this in your personal life with your professional life, like colliding, when it should everything after you win a national title be coming up roses. I get why it was bad. But A&M should have looked at those things and said, okay, how do we make sure that we're, not, we're making the okay. right hire? And, I, and I, I honestly, guys, just don't, don't think they looked at that because they, they ran up against it when they went five and seven and said, okay, you need to bring an offensive coordinator. And instead of him going like, you know what, you're right. Like, college football's changing. I need to be more in a CEO role. I need to, like, pull back on the reins and let the assistants coach. And this is what I should have learned from Nick Saban and Bobby Bowden, the two people who – because they were great at that. Yeah. In fact, he, 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 he rose to prominence because Nick Saban didn't mess with him, right? Mm-hmm. He rose to prominence at Florida State and became their next head coach because Bobby Bowden didn't mess with him. So let's bring in uh, – here's, here's my idea. You want young and innovative – I give you Bobby Petrino. And then <laughs> AM's like, all right, I mean, we told you you could make this higher, but that's, I don't feel like you're checking the boxes that we gave you other than you're just doing it. Okay, well, you're going to let Bobby call his offense? No. I'm going to give him my playbook and then tell him to call these plays. Oh, can he, are you going to go for it on fourth down? No. No. <laughs> no. But fourth and one at, your, at the opponent's 37 yard line. No, we're going to cough in corner. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, what about analytics? I'm not going to no. let a robot tell me what to do. No. Nope. You know, so all these things, that's, I mean, there, that's where it was. There is one word that I'm proud we haven't said yet, but because we're almost at, uh, at the end of the hour here, um, what about Prime? Um, I think he would do a great job there. I think, like, that bravado plus that money would be something else. There are things that have happened in the university side of Texas A&M that I think would prevent him from going there. Yep. So, uh, and if you wonder what I'm talking about, look at what just happened with the person they hired to run their journalism school. So, when I say just happened, I'm not talking like a decade ago. Yeah. I'm talking in the calendar year of 2023. So, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they need to spend time repairing that bridge Mm -hmm. uh, as much as they can. (laughs) But I don't think, unless he's going to make a tremendous point, that Dion's going to go there. Also, I don't think you can sell a four and eight coach, a potentially four and eight coach, on this is who's going to fix the Jimbo problem, because he also, I hate to break it to you, you know the, you know the defensive coordinator that Jimbo wouldn't fire. Mm-hmm. You know who that was? Uh, you, you know who his defensive coordinator for now? Charles Kelly. Oh yeah, Char- yeah. You know where he is now? He's Dion Sanders' defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> the problems are greater than, like, you know, they're, they're greater than one guy can solve. Now, mm-hmm. if, De- like, Dion two years from now, when he's won the Big 12, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but uh, right now, I think Dion still needs to figure out, like, how he navigates being a Power 5 head coach. Yeah. I- because, because it's very different. And he had that early success, which shows you what he can do when things are all going the right way. But now he has to prove he can navigate through that adversity. I'm a big believer that he can, but mm-hmm. he also hasn't ever had to do that before. So he has to figure out how it's best for him to do that. That's why, you know, when people say, well, what about Prime? Like, yeah. I, I was just curious if you wanted to hop in, in the clown car um, before we uh, actually tied a ribbon on this episode. No, I mean, I think it's a fair point to bring up because, again, if you've got all the money in the world and a guy who can, who is going, like, who can recruit nationally and then come into Texas and, you know, walk up to, like, that's the other mm-hmm. thing. Like, you mentioned the Steve Sarkeesian. I know we're going a little bit long here, but um, if you mentioned the Steve Sarkeesian thing, like, who's the guy that I know, like, if there's a stud high school quarterback in Texas that'll be able to walk up next to him with Steve Sarkeesian and that guy go, Hi, Dion. You know, like, no. <laughs> like that. That's that's what I would I would think about. 
But at the end of the day, I think that you gotta you gotta let Dion find himself first, sure. and, and and show what what you can do because I don't think you want to be. A&M has passed the on-the-job training phase that Deion Sanders is in at Colorado right now. Yeah. He also fired a good offensive coordinator when Jimbo wouldn't hire one. Yeah, see, there's the thing. Like, there's, there's, there's uh, similar issues, like, reflecting through here. But, you know, again, but if you want with a, a coach with Florida State ties, then, you know, mm-hmm. he's got them. Uh, if that's what you're trying to be, even though you just can't be something that's that awesome. anyway tomorrow we'll dive more into all of this aftermath we'll talk more about um you know what's kind of what's going on with the the weeks as we lead up um not many people eliminated from playoff contention this week but uh one team was and you know there are some teams that uh you know have played fast and loose with their playoff possibilities and we'll see, like Michigan, like Penn State's the one I'm talking about. Florida State played fast and loose with theirs. Texas. Texas played fast and loose with theirs. I actually would love to see a Florida State and Texas matchup in the postseason. That would be fun. Because I think that they're both very similar, and they both kind of do the same things. And I would love to see what happens when two teams that are almost as good as Michigan and Georgia. Like, that's the thing. I think Michigan and Georgia are the best teams. And then I think that there's a bunch of them, like Oregon, Florida State, Alabama, Washington, Washington, Texas that are like almost that good. Like they could beat them in the right circle, like, you know, Texas beat, but like they could beat those two teams in the right circumstances, but they all have flaws big enough to where those teams will just exploit them and then it'll just be over. All right. That's going to do it for us Uh, today on the program. Sam Conn Jr., JJ Joe, Brett McMurphy, Phil Bennett. That's all coming up three o'clock on 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and